Lovers. Hey, Renee. Are you excited about today? I am. Me too. It's going to be a real sleeper. <laughs> it's going to be dreamy. It's, ooh, it's going to be dreamy. I think it's going to be time to put this one to bed. <laughs> <laughs> like pillow talk. So we have a sleep expert that we are going to have on our show. Which is why I'm making all this. I was going to say, if you're wondering why he's doing that, all the stupid sleep bed puns. I think it's going to be cool. I'm, I, I'm really too. interested. I, I, we both went through his book, and I, I think there's great information in there. Yeah. Oh, and he's a TED Talk. Yes. Um, TED Talk. TED Talker. He is a TEDx speaker. TEDx speaker. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I did get enough sleep last night. I did, yeah. I was like, oh, good. At least I got a better night's sleep. Get him wanna, on the line. Do you want to mention his name, or we're gonna? Devin Burke is his name. It's gonna be great. I I think everyone's gonna be very satisfied with his message. I think for sure you will walk away with something. Yeah. Something wrote, that you can. He wrote the Sleep Advantage. Yeah, that's the name of his book, and he's also a health coach and performance coach. Yep. He does a lot of this sleep sleep work now. So be very cool. Yeah, you'll walk away with something. It'll be great. Yep. Okay, let's get to it. Okay. Hey, Renee. Hey, Bruce. Welcome back to our show. Yes. You're a co-host, so I don't really need to welcome you. I know, but that's all right. It's okay. always fun. You're excited I for am. today? I'm very excited about today because it's, a, it's an important topic that I always talk about. One of the key factors to health. We have someone on here to talk about it, so I think it's going to be great. Yep. Not just somebody, it's Devin Burke. He's uh, author of The Sleep Advantage, How to Optimize Your Night and Win Your Day. I love that. I love that tagline. That's so cool. He is a TEDx speaker. TEDx speaker, yep, among lots of other things. Um, Health coach, well, I'll let him say all of his things, but I was super impressed when I listened to his book because I, you know, obviously dealing in healthcare, you know, I tell people how important sleep is all the time. Right. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna dig into this a little bit, so we're super excited. Devin, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome, welcome to the show. I, you know, listening to your book. First of all, do you have any? Do you want to just kick anything off as far as uh, opening or? Yeah, tell us, I feel yeah, like yeah, just tell, tell about, you know tell us about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's um, an easy one, right? Yeah, that's an easy one. What? So, how about this? So, how about tell us what you're doing right now, presently in your career? Yeah. So, so, so right now we help, uh, chronic insomniacs across the nation get and stay asleep using a holistic approach based in science, which essentially means we, we paired coaching, education, and technology to help people who've in many cases been using sleeping pills and tried the therapies that, and they're still struggling. We're able to usually help them uh, restore their natural ability to sleep. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm, I'm just most excited about the, you know, the the feedback and the results we're getting from the, the, the clients that, that we're helping with, with our approach. That's what I'm doing now. That's cool. I love that pairing, coaching, education, and technology. That's awesome. I bet you get to see a lot of insight. Like when you, you know, coaching is one thing, but when you mix it up with all these things and you actually get to take some metrics on like, hey, what is happening and keeping score of what you're doing, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really I think it's it's a three it's three prong approach that works because it's it's not enough just to know what to do, it's 
you need to have you need to have the support to actually do it. That's where the coaching comes in. So the education is important because that creates the awareness. That's where you know some of the tools and the strategies are learned. But then the coaching piece is really the is is that accountability that a lot of people are missing. And then as you mentioned, the technology is you know we can we get this feedback and then we can say okay well now that I'm getting this feedback what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can actually tangibly see progress and improvement. It's, it's kind of like getting a blood test. You have high cholesterol. Okay, what can we do about it? You can you know, write your script. You can change your diet. You can do both. Come back in a couple of weeks. Let's see where we're at. And it's kind of like, you know, so when you get this information, it can inspire you to take better action as well as it, it can allow you to take more intelligent action based off of the feedback that you're getting, which is, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So it, it, it eliminates the trial and error from someone trying to figure it out. That's cool. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, it's pretty popular. You have the rings and you have the watches that track it, but then knowing what to do with that information. So I think that's, uh, that's awesome. Cause you bring it all together on what it actually means and, and then their lives actually change from there. I think, you know, that people, people like that feedback. I think almost people need it to, to know, hey, I'm making these behavioral and psychological changes. And, and they can actually see, not only just feel the improvement, but they actually can see it. And sometimes people need to see it in order to sort of believe it, so to speak. So that's where some of the, you know, the, the data can be very useful for, for people. Yeah. And I love in your book how you cite a couple studies too. The, the one that I thought was funny was where it was the couple that you, you know, went through the sleep resistance, I guess, on one. And when they were interviewed, they both said the other person was not up to standard. <laughs> yeah, isn't that fascinating? I thought that was, when I saw that, I, I had to share that. Because, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how, how important sleep is. They, you know, there's a disconnect between sleep and our life. And sleep literally affects every aspect of our life, including our relationships. And that particular, you know, study that I mentioned in the book was just so fascinating because it doesn't necessarily, you know, in a, in a relationship, obviously there's two people, right? So it doesn't necessarily, both people don't have to be sleep deprived in order for there to be an impact. Essentially, the study was they took couples, uh, one, one person in, in the relationship be sleep deprived. And then they, they, they put the couple together, the person together with their, their partner. And then they, at the end of the day, they rated each other and both people rated, they rated themselves lower. What the study shows is your lack of sleep impacts, you know, how people perceive you and how you perceive other people in, in both ways, even if the other person was well slept, which I thought it's just kind of a testament to how important sleep is when, it, when we're talking about relationships. Yeah, it's fascinating too because if you look at how, and you talk about this a little bit in the book too, is how technology and all these things have changed our human behavior so much in the last hundred years, more so than probably in the last 10,000, that it's, it's any wonder why we are where we are as a society in terms of our health. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a huge issue. I mean, you know, technology absolutely, I think right now at least, is a detriment to our health in many ways. I mean, there are, you know, hopefully that's changing. I'm a big believer in better living through science and in technology, but I think that the current state of where we are in evolution, as well as where technology is right now, it is unfortunately creating more 
wrecking more havoc than, than most people even realize on mental and physical health. And it's showing up specifically in length of sleep and quality of sleep. It's a big problem. And I think a lot of people have an, an addiction to technology, whether it be social media or TV or, or work emails. And that creates this whole hyperarousal in the brain, which doesn't allow the body to essentially do what it's designed to do, which it knows how to do, which is, which is sleep. It's tough. And, and people are, are very reluctant to, to really sometimes look at the ways in which technology is actually really affecting their, their physical and mental health, for, you know, for whatever reason. It's interesting. I've, one of my chiropractor colleagues that I have and that I follow, she has a, a phrase that she uses quite often is that our health is declining at the speed of technology. And oh, very just, interesting. Yeah. Um, just looking at like what happens with tech's neck and, you know, our postural slump that is, ensues after, you know, looking at data devices and, you know, for yours in, in terms of head forward posture and how that affects the nervous system and then things don't shut down properly. And just kind of interesting how it, all these things, the more you look at it, all this stuff kind of fits together. You can't separate it. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's always interesting to me how people try to put things in silos. And, and you really can't. Like, everything affects everything. You know, your relationship affects your sleep. Your sleep affects your relationship. Your nutrition affects your sleep. You know, your sleep affects your nutrition. Everything is in relationship. And so we really can't separate. We can't put things in silos. We really have to, to look at things in a, in a more holistic nature to, to really find sustainable solutions for, for health and longevity. Yeah, I have to say that's what I loved about you just listening to the TED Talk and in listening to your book, I love the idea of just really getting to at the core, like at the root of things of why you're not sleeping well or what's causing that versus just taking something because, I mean, that's really what sets someone free. So that's what one of the things I loved is just all the information that you gave in the book and you kind of give people the power to take back what's naturally being given to them, which is good sleep, which then like what you just said affects every area of your life versus taking something that doesn't ever get to what's causing us not to have good sleep. Yeah. Addressing the root cause. It's something that I think that so many people just miss it. it and for, for, you know, it makes sense. We're, we're busy. We, there's a lot going on in the world, there's a lot going on in our, in our own heads. And, you know, people, you know, we get, we get caught in our, our little world, there, there, there becomes like a dissonance and we're not able to see things clearly. And then when there's a lack of clarity that, you know, that, and then it leads to actions that don't, aren't always harmonious for, for our health or for our relationships or, or in general to, to other people. But I think, you know, people are understanding now you can't just continue to put band-aids on things. People are sick, I think, of using medication and going from medication to medication, and they're realizing that that's not a sustainable way of, of addressing something. And I think it, it, it's a necessary thing for, for people to kind of go through that pain to then really be open to looking at places where normally people wouldn't want to look because it, it can be scary or it can be maybe some, in, some, in some cases overwhelming. But unfortunately, those, those are the places we need to look in order to really kind of see the whole picture so that we can really have sustainable change. Yeah. I don't know if this is familiar to you, but with me a lot dealing with patients, everyone's looking 
for things like, like I'll get these questions. What can I take or what can I do at home that will, you know, change X, Y, Z problem that I have, whatever it is. And in most cases, you know, I'll give them some kind of recommendation, but in most cases, if they just stop doing some of the wrong things, like everyone, it, it seems like it's easier to add stuff onto your regular routine than it is to take the really nasty habits out of them. Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? And I, I, I think we're, we're also programmed to, to always look to add in versus take away. And oftentimes it is those simple things that we, if we just stop doing, would, would really just solve our, 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 our challenge, right? So it's, we, we tend to complicate things that don't need to be complicated. And it's almost like if we just stop doing the things that we know are getting in the way of the body's natural intelligence, then, then things would naturally sort of work their way out versus looking to always for the next thing. Again, it's like, I, I think we tend to complicate things and it's, it's a way of thinking. And, and if we can flip that and just start to think of, well, what, what can we sort of, sort of let go of, or what, what isn't, what are we doing already that isn't serving us versus doing something different or more? I think that can be almost even more powerful than, than implementing a new strategy or technique or tool. Yeah. Where, where do you think, I mean, I have my ideas. Where do you think that comes from that philosophy of, you know, add something in? Uh, you know, there's a lot of programs I think that are installed just as a, from a young age. And, and one of those programs is more is better. The way society sees, sees things, I think, and it's, a universal program is more is better. Sometimes it, it, that, that can be true, but in a lot of cases it's, it's not true. It's actually, you know, taking a step back and, and doing less that ends up being better. I think there's, there's these interesting, you know, and I, I, I'm a big student and I, I love to study people and I love to, because I realize that when you look at people, there's patterns that people live by. And some of these patterns are societal. And they're, they're just, it's cultural. And so I think a cultural sort of pattern, overarching pattern in, in America, especially is more is better. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's really where that, that sort of obsession with the next thing and, and adding in. And I think, I think that's where that comes from. You know, from a standpoint, just in healthcare, we're always inundated with ads and stuff of take this for that instead of like, Hey man, just stop eating fast food and drinking sugar water all day long. And you'd probably be in a whole lot better shape. Yeah, it's not complicated. It really isn't. Sometimes it just blows my mind how simple some of these solutions, if, if people just felt inspired to actually implement, how drastic that would change the, the entire healthcare system. You know, if people just, like you said, ate, ate less sugar, less processed food, moved their bodies more, prioritized sleep, had a little bit more education in, in how to manage their finances. Like these are simple, basic things that are somehow just missed and and then it creates this massive kind of titanic of an issue that you know then creates really a waste of trillions of dollars and and energy to try to solve when it's really just it's just human psychology it's just really education and inspiration that can get somebody to really you know consistently make a change that would have a drastic impact on some of the systems that we have in place not complicated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At least that's my opinion. I mean, obviously, you know, some people might disagree with that, but in my experience, I know that to be true. Yeah. Like I'm, I would imagine like in your coaching that you do with people, you probably pull those weeds out of there or at least help to try to pull them out of their, their routines and 
set up some different different routines that are healthier. Like once people have the awareness that something that they're doing is actually creating something that they want to change, and then they they just having that awareness, and it could just even be a thought, like or a belief, like. Um, you know, the, the, for most of our clients that we work with, they have this underlying belief that I'll never, that it's a fear really that I won't be able to solve this and I'm going to have to live with this sleep challenge the rest of my life. And, and just being able to see somebody to be able to see how having that belief, first and foremost, that it isn't true. And, and then seeing that belief in itself is actually creating more of what they don't want, which is sleep challenges can be enough for people to then make a shift in how they see things and then really have a big impact. I mean, something so simple as that, you know, changing somebody's psychology and what they, they see as what they used to see as true as being no longer true, or it can really create a space for people to then have a new experience. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I think, and I love the part in, in the book where you talk about stress and the effect that that has on you and, but I mean, we all know that and we all have stress. It's just being aware of what that stress is. And then like for me, I, this is a, a big one that I am challenged with is like letting my mind run away with, you know, worst case scenarios or just incessant thinking where I felt like I've turned the corner was actually being an observer of that play that's happening in front of me. So it's like, I'm not involved mm. in that. That's not me. That's my mind and how I've trained it to work but it isn't me and that's like oh i that when you were talking about those areas and mitigating stress was that's what i i think about when i when i, th- and I think you alluded to that in the you know just being aware of those feelings yeah so much of what creates stress is self-created through our thinking and through the lenses that we we see the world through and just changing how you, the, the lens that you look at the world or, or, or a challenge or something like you mentioned with kind of like letting your mind run into worst case scenarios, we call that catastrophizing, yeah. like, which is a program, right? So it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's your ego trying to keep you safe and secure. And, and, and oftentimes it keeps us stuck, stuck in anxiety, fear, doubt, and worry, which then creates more of what we don't want. And so once we kind of can start to identify these underlying patterns, you know, whether they were picked up from society or passed on from our parents or learned in some way from, you know, our education systems, you know, once we kind of can start to see our minds, see ourselves first and foremost as we're not our thoughts and, and then start to understand that we, we actually take responsibility for, for the role in which we play in our own experiences, whether it be, you know, a health challenge or financial situation or whatever it is. Once you can really start to take, that's the first step is taking responsibility for something, which is a hard thing for a lot of people to do because a lot of people just want to blame other people for where they are and what they're experiencing. And so, but once somebody can get to that place of taking responsibility, then they can get to a place of examining the, the ways in which they're creating their own challenges and issues. And that's really where transformation comes. And that's really what we do geared towards specifically people that have sleep challenges is, is look at well, first and foremost, in what ways, what are you doing? What are you consciously choosing to do that's keeping you from sleep? And oftentimes it's people just have no idea that they're, they're doing these things 
and once they have this awareness, this awareness is created and they're taking responsibility, it is fascinating how quick somebody's sleep changes. And it's not even necessarily implementing a physical strategy in the world, like a sleep restriction or, you know, optimizing their bed and bedroom or, you know, putting in place a bedtime routine. Sometimes it's, it's enough just to, you know, mentally create some space that like sort of creates this, this opening for them people to be able to, to really allow the body to do what it knows how to do, which is sleep. Yeah. All those roads lead back to, look, if you just leave this thing alone and give it the right things, it works just fine. <laughs> right. That's right. You don't have to do anything to sleep. That's, that's the funny thing. It's, well, you know, a lot of people get stuck in this, oh, I need to do something in order to sleep. It's like, no, you don't. You're, do you need to do anything for your heart to beat? Do you need to do anything for your lungs to take a breath? No, there's an intelligence here that's working. And you don't need to, it's like, we, we just need to get out of the way and allow that intelligence to take over and just do what it knows how to do. And that's really a big you know, part of our philosophy. And I think why we're getting such incredible results for people is that we're, we're taking this approach of there's an intelligence that knows how to sleep. We know, and there's nothing actually we can do uh, trying to control or force it or will it. All of those things are a subtle form of creating stress or resistance. And when you can just kind of allow the body just to relax and you start to establish that trust that and connect to that inner wisdom of the body and, and start to find, you know, make better choices to bring harmony in, in the mind and body, then all of a sudden what seemed like an impossibility, which was I tried all these things, I've been on all these medications, I've seen all these therapists, all of a sudden becomes a possibility for people. And then they, they, they get one great night of sleep and it builds the confidence, okay, sleep's possible for me. I don't have to deal with this uh, for the rest of my life. And then at that moment, they start to sleep. And obviously this is, I'm speaking in context of people that have real challenge sleeping. There's a lot of people I'm sure listening to this that will listen to this, that maybe just have a once in a while a restless night, or maybe they're not prioritizing and protecting it because they don't know how important it is. It's really, you know, going back to what we were talking about, it's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not complicated. We don't have to complicate sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I was, well, I just wanted to add in, I was talking to Bruce recently and I was saying that intelligence in the body that's runs and coordinates everything. But the, the key thing I feel like in this is that it is simple, but we as human beings, we make it so complicated. It's important to have people that, that you specialize in sleep and in all of the things with it. I think it's important to have people like you because you got to break it down for people because we make it so complicated. We, and then mm. even to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to figure out my thoughts and recognize my feelings. That that's in, in words sounds simple, but that's not necessarily an easy thing for somebody to do. So I just think it's really cool that you're, you know, for you, the focus is sleep and then how all that works. I mean, obviously for my husband, Bruce, He's a chiropractor and he focuses around the nervous system and the whole body and all that. Yeah, it's really cool in that way. I'm just curious, how did you get into this sleep and find your way that you seem so knowledgeable and I know you get great results. Like, how do you, like, how'd you get into this? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't out of my own pain. And a lot of, you know, people say, oh, you must have had a terrible sleeping issue. And actually, it's quite the opposite. I'm, I'm an, I'm an uh, amazing sleeper, so much so that, you know, my family used to kid around with me and call me narco, like narcoleptic yeah. because 
after you know we, we grew, I grew up Catholic, and after mass we would you know watch a football game, and I'd always be the one in the corner just asleep. So, and and so it was really what what got me so interested about sleep was actually someone else's pain. Someone else was struggling with their sleep, and I had studied a lot of you know mind body technologies. We'll just call it that nutrition, exercise physiology, psychologies, a whole array of different sort of aspects of what makes us being able to operate in a you know, full health and vibrancy. And I never studied sleep. And so I looked into, well, I said, first and foremost, let me see what's available for, for you to help you. And when I, when I went to see what was available, what I found was medication that was addictive, that had very strong side effects. And I found CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And there's, you know, not a lot of practitioners and some of, when I started to look into that approach, there's some things there that I was like, ah, I don't know, that doesn't really resonate completely with what I know to be true. So long story short, I, I started to study the science of sleep and I started to look at what was available and I just got really fascinated by it. And then I saw such a great need for people to have another solution that really addressed the root cause versus using a Band-Aid or using certain techniques. And so I you know, looked through the lens of all the things that I had learned up to that point, And I said, well, I wonder what would happen if I sort of, you know, took this new knowledge about sleep and I you know, kind of like tweaked all some of these tools that I had learned that I know worked in other areas for people and, and, and channeled it specifically for this problem. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what would happen. And so anyway, I, 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 with this person, I said, Hey, let's drove into, you know, experimenting a little bit here. Let's, let's see if I might be able to help you with this. And, Long story short, so I was able to help him, and I said, well, if I can help one person with this, then I can help thousands. I can help millions. That's what got me so so passionate about it, is really seeing a need and then seeing a possibility to fill that need in a way that was, that was new, that was different, and that was also simple. And so that, that really is what led me up to uh, you know, teaching what I teach and sharing what I share here today. That's awesome. I yeah, love it. I mean, it seems like that's... That's definitely a blue ocean opportunity for you, you know, because like you said, the only thing that exists out there were medications. And I mean, I tell people when you're on sleep medications, you're not sleeping. Like <laughs> that's not really sleep right. totally. It's sedation. Yeah. It's the difference between sedation and sleep. I, and I, I use the example, if someone knocks you out, they punch you in the head um, and you knock, you're knocked out and you, you're laying on the floor. It looks like you're asleep, but you are not asleep. There's a difference between, you know, getting knocked out or, or being sedated yeah. and actual real sleep. Um, and I think that's a really important point, Bruce, to bring up. I think it's, it's a lot of people don't realize that. And I think, you know, from just from a standpoint of like I, I one of my things was I, I coached CrossFit for years back in California. And this kind of dovetails into what we were talking about with stress and all that. But and since you have a background in exercise physiology and, you know, movement things, I would tell people all the time, like, I don't, I don't know that overtraining necessarily exists. I would look at more under recovery. What do you think about yeah, that? I love that. Yeah. I think there's, you know, to a point, I think that, you know, especially I was, I was actually just in Miami for the Wada Palooza. I was, I was actually, which is a giant CrossFit yeah. sort of event. And, and I, I wasn't attending. I was actually attending a wedding and I just happened to see this 
giant, you know, all these fit people walking around. I was like, what the heck is yeah. going on here? I'm peering over the fence and I'm looking at all these incredibly fit athletes. And I know that to get to that level of fitness takes a certain amount of discipline and training and hours. And, and I also know it creates a lot of stress on the body. And I think elite athletes understand that recovery is just as important, if not more important to, you know, their performance. But I, I don't think, you know, amateur athletes or, or, you know, everyday people, weekend warriors really get that, but it is. It, and it's because, you know, our body breaks down. And if we don't allow that space, that recovery, uh, that time, continuing to break the body down. And, and so, you know, athletes like LeBron James and, you know, Roger Hedder and all these amazing people that uh, are at the top of their, their sports, they, they sleep, they prioritize, but they, they prioritize rest recovery. And I think it's just happening now in the whole sort of sports world where, you know, trainers and physical therapists and coaches are understanding the value of recovery and are starting to really implement strategies to really invest in how do we how do we maximize that recovery for for our athletes to continue to, to push it yeah i i would see people like i mean that's why pro athletes have seasons and they have uh deloading phases and up you know that kind of thing but and you look at like the weekenders they're working out like nine days a week like <laughs> they never they never recover yeah. but they what people fail to see is when you're i think a highly paid highly trained athlete you do take time away from your field or, or away from your training. You know, there's, it's varied. It's also, we're, again, we're speaking culturally, we're, we're a very sympathetic culture. It's, there's a lot of, you know, people are just chronically stressed regardless of if they're stressing their bodies through, through a sport or, or some type of, you know, physical movement. You know, it's like you're already, most people are already stressed. And they don't have the tools to, to sort of manage, master or manage it. And then they throw in more stress, physical stress, and then they end up getting sick or they end up getting hurt. And it's like, well, it's just, it's too sympathetic. There's too much, too fast. People just need to learn to slow down a little bit, I think. And not, this is not everyone, but yeah. a lot of people, we work with a lot of like very high performing people. And it's just like, if you just slowed down just a little bit, you would be able to actually accomplish more in less time and in, in pretty much every area physically and and, and also in your business and everything, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that and the you know sympathetic. You're referring to like sympathetic, parasympathetic, or fight or flight versus growth and repair or rest and digest. Yeah, systems exactly. In the body. Yeah, like I I talk to people a lot about the balance between the gas pedal and brake pedal, and you know gas pedal is sympathetic where your body's getting ready for a fight essentially, and you're you know you're your blood thickens and your heart rate increases and your respiration changes and versus the other where you're digesting your food, you're building your immune system, you're sleeping. And I think the last time I checked that probably the top five medications are for a sympathetic dominance. You know, if you look at whether some kind of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, mm-hmm. heart arrhythmias, indigestion, like acid reflux or, insomnia i think those yeah. are the highest highest sought after and probably depression is probably pretty close up there the highest sought after pharmaceutical interventions and they're all based on sympathetic dominance 
like too much, wow. too much gas pedal. Wow. That's, I love how you just tied that. I never really thought about that. And I, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like when we're talking about in, in our arena, you know, with chiropractic and this whole thing, the subluxation, it's, it's almost like when the spine and nervous system isn't functioning properly, it creates like this smoldering little forest fire that the brain has to always rely on and it doesn't know what's happening to that extent it will you know when it's faced with something unfamiliar it goes into a stress response and people are there chronically and that's where like that's what i was so happy to hear how you break down actual sleep is that it's part of us shifting out of that sympathetic dominance mode so that we can get rid of all the other stuff that we do to try to cover up that fact yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think you can't talk about this enough. Yeah. And it's because it's, again, it's these habitual patterns that we live, we live into. You know, I, what I see in, 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 our, in our practice is, is a lot of people, they take their days into their nights. Which is, huh. you know, they yeah. take their, their, their stress to bed with them. And, and that's usually the first time for most people getting into bed, laying their head on their pillow is the first time that usually they stopped all day. And when I stop me, I mean like really stop without like watching TV or movies or phones or, and that's when sort of, you know, all of the, the, the stinking thinking starts Mm -hmm. or that's the first opportunity you have to connect with your partner. And and, and now you're talking about, you know, a decision for, for your son or daughter, which school you're going to go in and it's like a stressful conversation. And it's like the, the last thing you should be having is a stressful conversation in bed. It's yeah. the, last, it's the, <laughs> the worst, the worst time. Right. And, and it's the worst time too to like, you know, think about your, your life and what you want and all that. It's like, that's not the time to do that. Like the time to do that is, is during the day when you have energy. It's not at night. It's like, that's when the, the volume should be starting to be turned down and you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, getting to a space of, of, you know, rest and relaxation and, and ease, not hyper arousal, um, problem solver mode. Yeah. I think a lot of people just kind of they're in that all day, and then they and then they start to treat sleep like it's a problem that needs to be solved, and it's it's not. Yeah, or like you say, oh, I don't need sleep. I, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, the more more work I get done, the better. It's like <laughs> that's not really true, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's also conditionally a societal conditioned pattern. You know, you snooze, you lose. Sleep mm-hmm. when you're dead machismo i only slept four hours I, I only need you know these these things it's it's culturally hustle 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 like it's it's this this glorification of of a, you know sympathetic dominant go 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 don't stop take on the world which is great but you're not going to be able to do that sustainably unless you sleep now i'm curious you know we've talked about stress and things like that how does sleep or lack of sleep affect like someone who weight loss or keeping weight on like does it have an effect on that oh yeah oh it's it's uh, a massive effect i think it's one of the leading factors in the obesity epidemic right now is, is people just aren't getting enough sleep and the reason is because first and foremost hormonally there's you know there's ghrelin and leptin so these are our signaling hormones for being full and being hungry they get distorted or out of whack or unsynchronized or whatever you want to, whatever language you want to use where now you're, you're hungrier and 
your your body doesn't know when it's full. And so you're hungrier, you, you crave sugar and fat like crazy because you're tired. And and when the body's tired and the you know, it looks for sugar and fat, that's the you know, sources of energy. So you're you're eating all the wrong foods, you're eating too much of the food and your body doesn't know when it's full. That's a recipe for disaster. And I, and I, and you know, it's, it's very interesting to me. People can be eating like all the right foods and exercising, but if they're not sleeping, you know, there's the cortisol levels are, are heightened and they, the cortisol is a fat storing hormone. So it's, it's a recipe. It really is like if, if you're having, cha- if you're listening to this and having issues losing weight and you're not sleeping well, then that's the area you need to focus on because of all the things I just mentioned, not to mention the willpower factor, you know, when you're tired, yeah. We have less willpower. So we go for the soda over the water, the, the hamburger over the salad, just because it's, you know, our willpower is, is, is uh, we're tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, you know, each thing that you talk about, I'm like, yeah, it's, it connects over here to your, your weight and your health. Oh, it connects over here, how your body's digest. It just, everything is connected to that. That's cool. Cause I think a lot of people maybe, maybe don't realize like exactly what you just explained, if you're not sleeping and, and maybe they feel like they're doing all the right things, but they've never looked at, oh, well, that's me because I don't sleep well at all, you know, so that's cool. Yeah, you should come up with a, the, the sleep diet. That'll be on the <laughs> checkout line on People Magazine, the new sleep Oh, diet. man, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Devin yeah, Burke, that's a good idea. <laughs> sleep the pounds away. It is interesting, though, I mean, you were, where you said in the book, you actually, that's when you lose weight is when you're sleeping. Like you don't lose it during the day. It's when your body goes through and processes and does its thing. Yeah. And again, that's a lot of people don't realize sleep is the ultimate fat burner, right? It's, it really is. For all the reasons that I just mentioned, you know, hormonally, mentally, it's just like that's, I think when, when hopefully people listening to this can really, it really connects with them yeah. because, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's connected. doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, but it, it, it does when you really understand the physiology of the body. Yeah. You, you mentioned in the book, I want to kind of dig into that a little bit, if you would. I think you called it biochronology. It's like the four types of sleep, sleep genes or the sleep, sleep types like it was the dolphin or the, the bear. Yeah, chronobiology. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Essentially what chronobiology is, so there's two things that control sleep. Sleep pressure, which is the buildup of this neurochemical called adenosine, which creates the sleepiness, and then circadian clock. You can think of circadian clock as it's, it's, it's the, the, our body's clock. And there's actually every organ and every cell has a, a mini clock, and then there's the master clock in this, in the brain, the suprachiasmatic nucleus is the master clock of all the clocks. And so essentially we, our bodies have uh, a clock and depending on your unique genetics, some people are more of a evening type or morning type body clock. They have even more of an evening type or morning type body clock, you know, honoring that and knowing sort of what your genetic, what you came into this world with essentially and honoring it, it, it allows you to have greater ease in, in your ability to sleep. It allows you to sleep better. There's a, there's a great 
book on this called The Power of When by a doctor named Dr. Michael Bruce. And he, he sort of came up with these four sort of chronotypes, so the lion, a dolphin, a wolf, and a bear. And each one has a unique kind of characteristics. And I think there's probably even more than just that, you know, those four. I think there's genetic science and all that is coming out now. We're going to be able to like kind of look at people's genes and sort of already know, okay, they're this type of, they have this type of chronobiology. But just kind of knowing what chronotype you have and then trying to honor that versus, you know, do the opposite of it. Like if you're, if you're more of an evening type person, then, then it's actually better for you to go to sleep a little bit later. And, you know, as long as you're getting enough hours of sleep and you're creating the space to do that, then that actually would be more harmonious for your, your body and for your life. So there's, there's a quiz you can take, or you can even just Google MEQ quiz. And, and then you can kind of ask you some questions and kind of figure out what type of chronotype you are, but it is good to know. I think it's, it can be helpful. And it's, it's really one tool in the toolbox for understanding how to improve sleep. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like just by name, I would say I'm like a bear because I could, <laughs> I, could just, I, I could probably go to sleep right now if I wanted to. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so you're, you and me both. And funny enough, I took the, the quiz and I am a bear. No. Um, <laughs> so so you, usually the dolphins are the, the trouble sleepers. Actually, interestingly enough, there's even sort of personality traits for, for each of these different chronotypes. Like dolphins tend to be a little bit more you know, neurotic, light sleepers, they, they have a little bit of lower sleep drive. Usually, I've, I've identified some other patterns, usually perfectionist, um, very intellectual, very intelligent. It's, it's interesting. There's different characteristics that come along with each of these sort of chronotypes as well. That, yeah. uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. You mentioned um, how adenosine builds up in the brain. I've just been studying more on the adenosine, like, like ATP you know, the energy, clear mm-hmm. gas, gasoline for the cell. But it's interesting how that affects on one side, it's cellular energy and on uh, in a different form, it builds up in the brain to say, hey, you're tired. You know, the thing that gets in the way of, of this buildup is one of the most commonly abused things in the world, which is coffee, right? So coffee, you know, it, molecularly, it's very similar to adenosine and it actually block the receptor sites for that adenosine system to to really work properly so that's a you know a big one for people that people don't realize the half-life of caffeine is six hours in your your body for about 12 and it definitely gets in the way of, of this natural buildup of adenosine if you have too much of it and also at the wrong times it's just a simple thing to be aware of i think for, for listeners here but like you you mentioned a couple of times through this is that just now taken at the wrong time or you know different things where there's like little little insights that someone like you would have to give advice for somebody like okay well you're drinking maybe not cut out coffee altogether but do it at this time or you know based on all of the like the totality of somebody like how to figure out that that's cool like you've obviously got that dialed in yeah and it really is the little things that add up that then create the big results. And it, it are, are these little distinctions and these little insights that if you didn't know, then could actually potentially be the things that, that are getting in the way of your results. 
like what you, you don't know actually can hurt you. So understanding and, and really understanding a little bit more about physiology of how some of these things, the impact of the physiology can be really helpful for people. Yeah, I was going to say in, in talking about all this, what I thought was interesting is the sleep quality experiment. There isn't a one size fits all. And that's why when working with someone like you, who like has studied sleep, worked with people to know it's not, okay, everybody, if you stop drinking coffee at this time, then you're going to sleep really well. It's, when you went through that, it was cool to see there's a lot of different key elements and they're all relatively simple, but you got to figure out what's unique with you and what's going on with you of what's affecting you to not have good sleep of people just realizing, well, if I just do this and that that'll take care of it because it's not a one size fits all. I think that was hearing that it was like, oh yeah, right. It isn't a one size fits all. You got to figure out what's going on with you, where you're at to fix that. Yeah. It's like, it's like the concept of bioindividuality with food, it's like bioindividuality with sleep. Like, and that was actually really, I was hoping in the, um, the ROI of sleep and the case study that I, that I conducted uh, with 20 high performers testing different things each week to see if I could find a correlation of what actually had the biggest impact on sleep. I was hoping actually to find one thing, to be honest. <laughs> and it was interesting how like certain weeks, certain things work better for certain people. And it just, it just really came full circle at the end. It's like, well, there isn't a silver bullet. You know, we are all unique, but our sleep challenges are not unique. So we have to be open to experimentation and we have to sort of understand where to start from because everyone's coming at this from a different place, you know, different challenges, health histories. But as long as you're open to experimenting, that's really where you can get the best results. When you close, you get closed off and you say, oh, no, there has to be one right way and follow this way. And if it doesn't work, then I must be broken. You know, that's, that's not going to, that line of thought is not going to, not going to be helpful. Yeah. But imagine you see a lot of people with lately in the last two years since the whole pandemic thing, probably the anxiety is through the roof. And ha have you seen that bear out in people's quality of sleep that, that you are around or that you consult with? Yeah, I mean, there's more people now suffering from sleep challenges than ever before. In the past two years, our company has had a huge influx of people looking for support just because there's more stress, there's more anxiety. And then sometimes what can happen is anxiety then becomes attached itself to sleep. So now people are anxious about their sleep. It's just, I think it's just a part of what's going on in the world with the pandemic. And again, people don't really have tools. They, we're, we're taught this stuff in school. It's like that, that's something that really fires me up a little bit because you think about what our education system and how it's sort of structured. Gosh, like why can you know, this emotional intelligence and, and, and stress mastery and all this stuff needs to be in our school and it's not. And then and it, it creates so much unnecessary suffering just because it's, you, you know, we have to go off and find this information or, or ourselves or be in such a painful state to then look for it. Whereas, you know, if we just learned it when we were younger as, as children, we would just be so much more equipped to handle the uncertainty that life throws at us. You know, it's something I'm really passionate about because I just, it's, it's like, it's, it just blows my mind how some of these concepts are just not integrated into the education system. It's like, man, what a disservice. Have you 
we listened to Jewel on Joe Rogan's podcast, and she actually, with you know, a group of people, but created a whole curriculum for younger kids about, and and she's really trying to get it in, introduced into public school systems and to schools. But it's it really does it like teaches mindfulness and breathing and relaxing and the power of the breath. When I watch the video on that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like exactly what you just said is there's just the simplicity of breathing and mindfulness and being aware you're not the thoughts and all that. You start that at a young age. I'm like, goodness, what that would look like in our country. Gratefully, there are people that are really trying to, and, and her, I mean, I haven't seen the curriculum, but I do know it she is in a, in a school, school in, yeah. in uh, I think, Indiana in, or something. Or? Yeah, I, well, I was going to say Monterey, but I don't know if it was in California. If you haven't checked it out, it's it's definitely worthwhile to see what she created and the, just the idea because it's exactly with what you just said. So it's pretty cool. Oh wow, I'm I'm definitely going to check that out. I mean, I, I know there's there's you know there's programs like you know Montessori and the Waldorf, and they're a little bit more holistic, right. sort of open education systems. But I think there's there can be even another you know beyond those sort of systems. I think there's a need, there's a there's a greater need. What you just mentioned, yeah. Because hers, I believe, is integrated into, like, literature. Like an actual, she's really trying to get into public schools. Actual, you're learning, I I don't know if it was literature or English, writing. writing, It's Yeah, maybe it was writing, writing. but it's actually integrated into what you would already be learning, but then you're taking these concepts and teaching them with that. So it's great. I'm going to have to connect with her. I'm going to have to, to look into what she's doing. That's great. Yeah, so yeah, it's very cool. Let's just say before we end this, because we, we have some questions for you that we always ask our guests. But before we get to there, somebody that's listening, they're struggling with, you know, they don't sleep. They're not feeling good. You know, everything that's going on in our country right now. What are a couple things that somebody that listens to this that they could be like, okay, this is how I could do these couple things? Or what would you say that they can do? Because they're just completely stress out with what's happening. They're not sleeping well. What would be a couple things that you could say to them? Yeah, real simply, uh, three, two, one sleep. So, you know, three hours before bed, you stop eating two hours before bed, you, you, you stop working. And then one hour before bed, you, you start to get into the parasympathetic. So you start to do something that's relaxing. Um, this allows you not to bring your day into your night. That would be, if you just implemented that, that would make a difference. And then if you implemented turning off the news, creating some space throughout your day, because our day dictates our night, that would also help. And, you know, I I try not to make blanket statements because it really does take trying things out. And and there's a lot more to this, even though it is simple, it goes pretty deep. But just those things, if you created space in your day, you didn't take your day into your night and practice three, two, one sleep, people would, would start to be able to sleep better. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love three, two, one. Even just that gets people to help them remember that. That's great. All right, we're going to go into our um, podcast questions. We ask all our guests. The first one is, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and what would you want to discuss? And this person could be alive, they could have passed away, could be anyone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I I was looking at this question, I think you might have sent it over before we we did the the conversation. And this is such a difficult one. The first thing person that came to mind was Jesus. (laughs) So that's what I said. um, Yeah, I mean, I I just, he's a fascinating uh, person. 
it would probably be him. And I, I just want to discuss, you know, this, the whole story, just the whole thing. I mean, I, he just, I, I, I was raised Catholic and uh, I'm no longer practicing Catholic. I'm a, I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> Although I think the, the faith is, you know, the Catholic church is beautiful and there's a lot of beauty in it. But then anyway, I, I recently started to read some, some books about Jesus kind of from a different perspective. And, I just think he's a, he's an amazing person and what an impact he's, he has created in the world. So it would just be fun to have a conversation with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Um, so question two would be what continues or restores your faith in humanity? Yeah, I would say people's goodness. There's I, When I see just little kind gestures that people make, it, it does, it restores my faith in humanity, whether it's somebody holding the door for somebody, somebody helping out somebody in need, whether it's a friend, just like the little things, like people being willing to, to help without any attachment or trying to get something in return. Whenever I see a gesture like that, it always inspires, sort of restores that, my faith. Yeah, I love it. Makes me smile when I see stuff like that, for sure. All right, last question. What still amazes you? The human body. You can abuse it. You can feed it a bunch of junk. And it still somehow uh, takes that junk and turns it into fuel. And I mean, it's just amazing. The human body is, is incredible. It is just a masterpiece. How all the things work together and keep us sustained and alive. It, it just, I, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. Whenever I think of really like how this body actually works and all the things that have to happen in order for us to, you know, to, to have life, it's just like, wow, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I said. We take two cells and create this human being that we are, this body, and it runs and coordinates. It, I mean, it really does. You stop for a moment and you think about it, and it just blows my mind. It's, it's, it is. It's amazing. Yeah, we're miracles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that, that was great, Devin. I, I appreciate the conversation and, you know, what you said about what still amazes you that I, I feel like that transfers, um, uh, from your book and, um, you know, just, you, I mean, you can hear the passion in your voice as you go through it and it's, it's real and it's not a bunch of hypey stuff. There's actually some really good things that people could just from reading that could come away with. So I think that really transfers into your, or your passion is transferred you know, through that. So I, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show to, to share some of what I'm so passionate about and for taking the time to, you know, explore my work and, and to share it with, uh, with people that you think would find, find it valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So or useful. Yeah. Thank you again, everyone. Well, this- wait, I want to, can you, where can people find yeah. you? Yeah. So on, on social media, it's Devin Burke, D-E-V-I-N-D-U-R-K-E wellness. Instagram and all that. I'm not huge in social media, but I do post some content from time to time. And then Sleep Science Academy, sleepscienceacademy.com. That's that's really where we help people with with sleep challenges. Awesome. And And then I just want to reiterate, the book is The Sleep Advantage, and I believe you can get it on Amazon. So because we, I listened to on Audible. So yep. And then in the Sleep Academy too, you do personal. You have one on one coaching opportunities for people that that you do, and then. So you have different options for people to explore when they contact you. 
We do. Yeah. We have, you know, we have a digital course and then our, our comprehensive program is uh, we pair you with a, a trained sleep coach uh, as well as, you know, group coaching once a week, which I lead those groups. And then the, um, the whole educational platform is delivered online with technology. So we have different options for, you know, depending on where people are and what, what we feel would be best for them based off of uh, their, their situation. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Devin. Yeah. Thank you both. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Bruce and Renee with We Are Still Here. You can find us on Instagram at rbstillhere. And if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, because we love interesting stories, please email us at rbstillhere at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, all those regular normal spots that you would look for them at. Thanks again, and please share with your family and friends. Thanks for listening, everybody.